I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Well, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, Brian is still um, frolicking, frolicking with with uh, penguins, penguins and and sea lions, sea lions, yeah, all that shit on a boat in Antarctica. That's right. So uh, we actually have someone filling in for Brian today as a co-host. Um, my lovely partner Kira. Hey. Oh, hi. Welcome. Um, Thank you. And Kira, you're a, you're you're the reason we have you in today uh, is because we are sitting down with a guest from Edmonton, uh, Chelsea, who is an ICU nurse. And uh, Kira, you are also an ICU nurse at the CVICU. I am. And uh, we're going to be talking about nursing today. Um, and you and I have been talking about your work for quite a while now, and and a big theme that is coming up in the conversations that we have about your work is. Just the like state of the healthcare system and the unfortunate state in which nurses find themselves in where there seems to be a lot of like, at least from my perspective, talking to you, uh, it seems like nurses are, are going um, pretty underappreciated. And, and there's, there seems to be like a, a big issue with burnout in nursing. Yeah, Totally. Which is why we're sitting with Chelsea, because Chelsea wanted to come on the podcast to talk about exactly that thing. So I thought, why not bring two nurses together and we could hash out the, uh, the situation that nurses find themselves in here in Canada. Now, Chelsea, you're uh, practicing in Edmonton, correct? Yeah, Edmonton, Alberta right now. What's the, what's the situation over in Edmonton for nurses? How, how's, uh, how's nursing life there? Because I know that you, you practice here in, in Wolfville, Nova Scotia for a while and then moved out west. Um, did you notice much of a difference in, in the practice uh, here in Nova Scotia versus out in, in Alberta? We make a lot more money in Alberta than <laughs> yeah, okay. Nova Scotia, for sure. Um, not that big of a difference, honestly. The scope of practice is pretty similar for registered nurses, which is what I am. Um, the LPN scope of practice, however, is a lot larger out here in Edmonton, Alberta, than it is in Nova Scotia. So we work like super closely with LPNs in um, Edmonton, which is great because that just means we have like more nurses that can do more things. Um, but yeah, I didn't notice a huge difference um, transitioning from Halifax. Um, right off the bat, even though we haven't really dug into anything yet in terms of like the uh, maybe the shortcomings of the healthcare system when it comes to nurses and supports and all that stuff. Mm. Having said that more money can be made in Alberta compared to Nova Scotia, mm. does that dampen the impact that some of these 
uh, shortfalls mm. uh, come with? Like, it d- does how much, how much, how much does more money soften the 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 pain of the lacks the the lack of supports, et cetera, that that can happen in the nursing profession? Yeah, you know, I when I took the job in ICU, which was about a year and a half ago, um, I was pumped to be, you know, working in the middle of the pandemic. I wanted to help out. I wanted to be, you know, kind of like front lines helping, helping as much as I could. And the money was great. And so I was working 12, 16 hour shifts, eight night shifts in a row, making ridiculous amounts of money. But over time, I realized that the money wasn't worth it Mm. because you can only like, what am I going to do? I don't have time to do anything else. And when I'm home, I'm exhausted. Mm. And so really it was like eat, sleep, work for me. And Mm. yeah, the money helped initially. Um, And I think like nurses deserve to be paid very well for what Mm. we do. Um, But at the end, it just wasn't, it wasn't worth it. Mm. And I ended up actually leaving the ICU. So I left, um, I went on stress leave in April from the general systems ICU in Edmonton. Mm. Um, And I was on stress leave until September. Um, And I actually like, went out on my own and found a new position um, as a nurse, obviously, but I was ready to like be a barista at Starbucks for the rest mm. of my life. Like mm. I was. Yeah. I, I think that's really, uh, I think that's really important because I, I wanted to, I wanted to ask that question because I kind of, I, 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 I think I, I think I knew sort of how you might answer that question and you kind of answered it in the, in sort of the way that I thought you would that like, you know, money can help and money can at least maybe make you frame the challenges that you face in a, maybe a different way and make you think, Oh, okay. You know, this is shitty, but I'm getting paid. So like, but then at, at, at every point in every job, there's, there's a balance that just cannot be struck. Mm. Like that money cannot make up for, uh, some of the shit, especially if you're working eight night shifts in a row, <laughs> that's yeah. way too yeah. many shifts. Yeah. Like that's insane. And, like, and especially, especially in the type of work that we're talking about, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a difference between, uh, I, I, I mean, I think there's a stark difference between someone who works an office job and is like crunching those hours and putting in time, sitting at a desk, like typing away, whatever the fuck it is, like an accountant or some shit. Um, sure that I'm like, I'm sure that that would get like mind numbing and tough, but like, man, I've Kira, you're the second nurse I've, I've been in a relationship with, um, over the last, you know, like seven, six years of my life. And, um, my previous partner who was a nurse, uh, she worked in, in a, uh, in the, the, the Garen center at, at IWK. So it was like, it was the, it's like the, um, uh, mental health. Right. Yeah um sort of wing for the children's hospital mm-hmm. um but talking to you about your work as a as a CVICU nurse I'm like you know you come home and 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 you had a long shift and I go hey baby how was how was work and you tell me stuff that my jaw hits the floor like I just can't believe what it is that you what what it is that you guys go through on a day-to-day basis and then and then you know i feel like a total fucking nincompoop because you're like how was your day and i'm like well i spent an hour talking about like come uh with with my best friends <laughs> it was good you know um and important medical. yes 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 sure sure sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um uh but uh but i i would like to actually kind of 
And, and again, like that's coming from me who does a who does a podcast about health and have had crazy conversations with people mm. about you know the toughest times of their life. Yet still, I'm I'm still like flabbergasted in having the conversations with you, Kira, like about the stuff that you do at work. So maybe like tossing this to both of you for people that might not really have a, a really good grasp of what, what it means to be an ICU nurse. Like what is a day to day, like a, a sort of like run of the day type of activities or things that you are sort of in charge of and, and have to like focus on over the span of a 12 hour shift. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, it's a yeah. lot, honestly. Like, <laughs> I feel like it varies day to day. So you working in CVICU, um, I did general systems ICU. So for us, it was anywhere. During the pandemic, it was a lot of COVID. Yeah. We had three ICUs up and running instead of the one. And um, yeah, it was like primarily COVID patients. But we also still had to care for all the traumas that come in. In Edmonton, we get a lot of like gunshots and stabbings and, you know, car accidents and things like that. And so you're getting all your traumas, you're getting all your patients that are just sick. We have a lot of cancer patients that end up needing to come into the ICU or transplant patients who need organs that need to come into the ICU. So we were managing all of like our regular patient load plus this like surplus of COVID-19 patients. And so day-to-day life, <laughs> like, the ICU is supposed to be one-to-one nursing. So you have a nurse and you have a patient and you're responsible for that one patient because they're so sick. Like it's ICU and either you get better or you die, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's no, we're kind of that high level of care. And so, yeah, like day to day supposed to be one-to-one and we were doing like three to one. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. So we were caring for up to three ICU patients and that is like, they are mostly unable to do anything. Yeah. You know, like they can't wash themselves. They can't feed themselves. They are either, if they are awake, they're usually in too much pain or too ill. Um, most of them aren't awake. So they're sedated and they have a breathing tube and they have all of these lines and tubes. And it's your responsibility to make sure that they make it through the 12 hours that you're there with the patient. Mm. So it can be, yeah, it can be really anything. Um, and we dealt with a lot of family. I felt like during the pandemic, that was like one of the things that really took it out of me personally was just yeah. dealing with also the family members of these patients yeah. um, because of all of the restrictions around who was allowed to come into the ICU and who wasn't. And, you know, we're the front face of all of that. So even though it's not our decision to say, hey, you can't come visit your dying loved one, we still took the heat for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mean like, like an emotional toll? Like that was, yeah. 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 Care, oh. care for like, for, for people who don't know, what, what is CV ICU? Like, what's the difference between a general ICU unit versus a CV ICU unit? Yeah. Like, my day would differ so much from yours because she mm-hmm. would have such a variety of everything. And mine is all cardiac surgery. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of planned surgeries um, and some, some emergency surgeries as well. But it's like, a well, well-oiled machine and there's like a lot of routine and like we still get like really sick patients on like lots of drips and different devices like ECMO and like CRT like dialysis and stuff like that but um it's generally a lot more organized and it's more focused on one system but still still like multi-system as well just right. because it obviously affects every 
every part of you yeah. when you get heart surgery. But from a from a nursing from a nursing like education standpoint, in terms mm. of uh, and and especially um, especially when you lump COVID on top of um, on top of the whole situation where there's like now all of a sudden hospitals are running in a very different way entirely one of those being that there's like restrictions around who can be there and how many people can be there and all that stuff. Um, in, I, I know that there is in nursing versus like in nursing versus like, um, uh, like med school training, there is a, a people, a, a more of a people, um, a people orientation to it, like education around like dealing with people. Um, but like how much of that dealing with people is like really in the job description? Because mm. I I get the sense from my experience of doing the show and just my general like pop culture understanding of nurses is that there ends up being a ton of stuff that nurses deal with that is way outside of the scope of what they were intended to do when they went into work that day. And that that ends up being like a big problem when it comes to like union discussions and that sort of thing. Um, so like what is what is like the the like expectation in terms of dealing with people that aren't the, that aren't the people that are sick, you know, when mm. you when you go into work. Right. Yeah, uh, that's tough to answer, honestly, like we talk a lot about like family centered care. And I think it also depends on like the institution that you work for. So some institutions have like just certain guidelines around what that means. So what is family centered care? Like, can you have 18 people at a patient's bedside when they're really sick? Because you want that like person to be surrounded by loved ones. Because it sounds like a sick party, right? Like, sounds <laughs> yeah. great. And Literally. you know, I used to work on hematology, so I used to work with um, a lot of leukemia patients. Favorite job that I've had in my nursing career because we were so family centered. I'm like so many, like just family all the time. Every patient was allowed to have family. And then when COVID hit, obviously things changed. So I think it depends on the, on the institution that you work for. But, you know, in the ICU, we were very family centered until the pandemic happened. Mm. And then all of that just went out the window. And even if we were advocating for like, you know, our patients to have family, we were being told no because of the guidelines that were set in place by the government. And so you're like, kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because you see what COVID is doing to these patients and you don't want, you know, anyone else to get COVID or spread it around, mm. but you also don't want these patients to die without their family members present or like yeah. go through this like huge illness journey without their family members present. It is such a, it is such a, uh, it is such a, uh, I mean, it's an impossible, like with COVID, it was an impossible balance. Like, yeah. like I, I remember when my, my wife was pregnant, um, for nine months of 2020 uh well this is like six months of 2021 and then into shortly into 2022 and like when something came up and we needed to go to the emergency room and i am not allowed to go like yeah. it, and, yeah. and you're like and, and then and then i mean you can just replicate that same experience across a thousand different illnesses with different people from all over the province and all over the country and like oh. how much stress like how just how that influences the kind of like the stress and the impact that that has on your health in terms of dealing with whatever it is that you've got to deal with. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, like obviously you want to be able to like the having people around has, has an impact. However, 
however much we can we can actually measure that i don't i don't know probably not very accurately at all but like we you, we know we know intuitively that that has an impact mm. on yeah. the health outcomes of people you know being yeah. able to be being able to be connected with with people so you know and then balancing that against like a pandemic and not wanting that that to be exacerbated like what a fucking challenge mm -hmm. mm. yeah it was yeah. yeah it was super tough yeah it just like added same for you guys but yeah yeah it, it was like just another thing on our plate like um and like as much as we want the family to be involved <laughs> donut. donut just climbing all over the fucking recording studio <laughs> Um, it just, it was like, it added to the emotional and like moral distress of yeah. the nurses and like their general day. Like it just was like another cog in the wheel that like you want to provide the best care that you can, but in not allowing someone's family member in was so like just mm. heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Like we, we would have seen people die like alone yeah, for that alone. reason, yeah. you know? And, mm -hmm. and then that just leads to increased feelings of burnout and, and just like your hands are tied. You know, you, yeah. there's nothing you can do. It's like a helpless kind of thing. But it, it did like fall back on us for sure. Like, as yeah. yeah, I mean, and like that, like the, from from an emotional standpoint, you know, hearing that uh, sounds really tough. Um, but the thing that 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 I always kind of come back to and that I keep reminding myself, like whenever talking to you about your work mm -hmm is and maybe this maybe part of this is because I didn't I didn't go to school for nursing I didn't go to school for medicine I don't have like the, the I'm not acclimatized to the medical system outside of just being a patient and like as a patient I fucking want to be so far away from that building at all costs that you know there's like a little bit of trauma there of like you know living in a hospital but for someone who works in it I suppose there is a sense of like of of you know, familiarizing yourself with uh, certain scenarios and like um, uh, certain visual stimuli that like on all accounts, anybody else would be totally fucked up from, you know, like I, I remember having a conversation with you, Kira, about like uh, about one of your shifts where you a patient from the the was, you know, was was in for some heart surgery. They came up to the CVICU and your job that day was just to sit by this person's bedside while they had their sternum completely cracked open, still open with just like saran wrap over top with an open beating heart. And you just got to like sit there and watch to make sure that, you know, some gauze <laughs> doesn't fall in or like someone <laughs> sneezes into the fucking like open cavity. And I'm like, that's like, I love horror movies. That's some straight some body up horror. body horror that like yeah. I wouldn't be able to handle, <laughs> you know? And so I guess my, my, my question in that is, um, and again, like, like kind of, kind of, uh, gearing towards the things that people don't really think about. Like I would never have thought that that would be something that you have to do. And it just blows my mind. And yeah. you're like, that's every, that's a, that's a fucking Monday for me. Mm -hmm. Like whatever. Um, how, how do you guys think that those types of experiences have an effect on you as a nurse? I think that eventually we carry a lot of trauma around with us. Yeah. <laughs> like we, we, we definitely try not to like absorb, you know, everything that we see in the ICU because there's no way you could do the job because no. <laughs> it's pretty dark at times. So you just kind of like learn to kind of let it go. But 
but some of it you don't let go and some of it you probably don't even realize that you don't let go yeah. until like I've I've had <laughs> like I can think of like a really good code like if there's ever such a thing like that happens like a code blue and and like a code blue for people who don't know yeah is, someone's dead like dead and yeah, like you gotta resuscitate them yeah so like even if it it has a good outcome and like the patient survives and stuff like you still like I I had something like that happen to me last fall and like it was fine and then for like weeks afterwards like before every night shift like I was nauseous I couldn't eat like mm. I couldn't sleep before nights and I was just kind of like I think I just hate nights like that's, yeah. but then I was like you know what no that happened on a night shift and that's it went it fine but it yeah. actually gave me a little bit of like a trauma response or like ptsd if you will i don't want to just throw that around but some type of bodily response that was like oof that's Mm. not because should have been debriefed and again just to paint the picture because again i don't think people really fully fucking comprehend when you say code blue you know again me not a nurse not a doctor my my um my mental picture of a code blue is what i see when i watch you know, Grey's Anatomy or whatever the fuck is on TV about and which which I don't. Brian does, but I'm sure <laughs> Brian would say the same thing. And it's like and it looks like this. Um, Someone comes out of a room. They go, my my husband's not breathing. And then, you know, there's like some beeping going on. Somebody runs in and then they run up and they go, oh, no. Yeah, right. He's not breathing. So then they they roll in a crash cart and someone like does the fucking charge and ready. And then. They come back to life and it's like all good. Yeah. But like, it's so not that like mm-hmm. it is, it is, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're, t- we're talking like paint. What does that look like? Like, why would something like that be traumatic? Because it doesn't look like it right. does on TV. It's very so, fucking different. Yeah. So like I was there, like when it happened, he was like, a he was like not your typical ICU patient. He was like ready to go and he was mm-hmm. like walking and talking. But <clears throat> yeah, he just like collapses in front of me. So I'm the first one to see it happen. So I have to jump on his chest, which is one of the things that definitely will always give you the willies after a code because I physically broke all of his ribs. Like I ribs. broke, yeah. broke it all. They crunched just, Ugh. you feel it. And like, you're going and you're like, you're like watching the monitor. Thankfully I could see like, the, like, you know, everything's going on, but like, you're just, you're, you're so high energy and so high stress. And mm-hmm. you don't think of any of that in the, in the, at the time like but that was like the first thing that kind of I walked away from and I was like oh god and and then like between like all the medications and all the chaos that's surrounding you like eventually the code team is like all there and they put that Lucas device I think I was telling you yes. about this yeah so like that alone which we covered like, on that's yeah. crazy this to watch yeah. like someone's body just goes completely concave under this like pneumatic Machine. compression that's yeah device. yeah like, we, we covered it on feel good Friday after you told me about this because I was like what the fuck I had to find a video of it to like show yeah. people but if people didn't listen to that episode it's like a device that like straps over the person's uh, sternum and it is a, it's literally a machine, like a compression machine. So this mm-hmm. thing has like, you know, hydraulic pressure that's just going fuckunk, 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 like a, like a, like a, a giant great, great hole puncher. No, thanks. And, uh, <laughs> and just, yeah, again, like I can't, I can't picture, I can't, I like, I have a hard time physically picturing yeah. the and you don't see that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I've, that's the thing. I've, I've fortunately and unfortunately, because there's definitely, there's definitely good and bad to it, but I experienced that having to 
to do right. chest compressions on somebody yeah. and, uh, and them not being responsive and, and trying and hoping that they wouldn't die. And like, and when I think about that uh, as my experience, having no training whatsoever, and then going, oh, there's people out there that they, they you know, you, you have training and obviously lots of training. And it's something that on some level, I'm assuming there is a at least some degree of desensitization to yeah. so that yeah. you can manage it effectively. Mm-hmm. But th- I, I like, you, you know, you get exposed to that over and over and over yeah. and over again, like is and I, and I want to talk about I want to talk about the supports that are or should be yeah. available to. Um, nurses um, and especially ICU nurses who are dealing with like really, really aggressive things on a regular basis is like, is, do you, do you think that there is a, a, a environment that could be created in this sort of like perfect world of, of taking care of taking care of the nursing profession and the nurses within that where, where trauma doesn't manifest or is trauma, no matter what, no matter the most perfect systems that we could put into place to manage, to debrief, um, to give supports, mm-hmm. is it at the end of the day just something that you got to sign off on as a nurse mm-hmm. that you are accepting into your life some degree of trauma, no matter what, that's going to affect you in some way down the line? Yeah, I think that I think trauma is going to be a part of the nursing profession, no matter what supports are put into place, like the the situations that you're put in and the people that you deal with, you know, yeah, it's it's going to be traumatic. And you're going to have those, um, those things that you never forget about those patients that you never forget about. Mm -hmm. But I think that as a nursing profession, there's just this standard that like, you just have to deal with it. Yes. It's your job. You signed up for this. So mm-hmm. traumatic. Okay. Deal Again, it. it's your job. So deal with it. That is the most toxic culture in nursing right now. Yeah. I have never felt more unsupported as a nurse than I did through the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. In turn, that put me on stress leave for months. Yeah. Something that I would never have even thought about doing was leaving the nursing profession. And I was ready to quit and never go back. So I think that support helps in whatever capacity you can have that in nursing. We didn't, I didn't have any of that during the pandemic from the healthcare system. I had it outside, Mm. but at the end of the day, it just wasn't enough. So I think there'll always be trauma and you'll always have to deal with trauma. But I think that we can do better as not only just like nurse to nurse and like the nursing culture, but the healthcare system can do so much better in supporting their nurses Mm. through those traumatic experiences so that they don't leave them being like, you know, Oh my God, that fucking sucked. And like, I don't feel good about that. Now what I have to show up tomorrow. Like I have, I have a shift or like take the next admission at the same shift, like just get another patient (laughs) patient. or like you have three patients and one of them is dying and the other one is coding and the other one needs this and you're like i i don't have it in me to do all of this but again people will come back and just say like well that's your job yeah yeah
Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. Like what, what, um, like what types of, what are some scenarios that you have to deal with on, uh, on a, on a regular basis or a semi-regular basis or whatever it might be that, that should trigger a response from like an administration or like a management team that says that, 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 that in a perfect world, they would, they would say, um, Hey, you experienced this on your shift today. So we are, we want to make it known to you that there's like X of a thing available to you in order to try to manage that. Like Mm. what type of things come up that should go hand in hand with something like that? Mm. I think definitely patient death. Like if you have a patient that, that dies, um, I know the unit that I worked on in the general systems, we were supposed to have like a grief break. Yeah. So you're supposed to be allotted like a certain amount of time to kind of like check out and be like, I'm, I'm going to go sit. I'm going to, but that wasn't happening. We weren't getting that. So yeah. it was there, but it wasn't being used. It wasn't being granted. And like and staffing think, probably doesn't allow yeah, it either. Like we didn't have staff, so they're not going to be like, "Hey, go on your thirty-minute break while we have like no one covering these super sick ICU patients." Like that's, that's the other thing that's crazy about that is like thirty <laughs> minutes. It's like you, you know, oh, patient died. Well, you have uh, you can you can go have over. a coffee break. Yeah, like go go smoke a cigarette and then come back in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's fucking. I'd be like, I need a week. Yeah. Like, but then at the same time, like what you said is like it's your job. It, 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 yeah. It's like yeah. how do you how how because it because you're because you sort of are faced with a moral conundrum as well, right? Mm-hmm. That like mm-hmm. even if it mm-hmm. is accessible, and there's uh, your your colleagues that if you take that, yeah, they will then, drown. They Upper. then yeah, exactly. And and like, yeah. how do you grapple with that when the staffing issue is yeah. just so is so dire? And that's like how you would have got stuck doing eight shifts in a row because you're like, yeah. well, they're calling me every day. I have to go in. Like my coworkers are. Pin. Are drowning yeah. and like I'm just here on my days off and like God, I guess you have like the moral distress to even in. to do that. Yeah. yeah, this might be the cynic in me. It definitely is the cynic in me <laughs> that 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 goes, and I don't think it's conscious. That's kind of the bone that I'll throw out to the administrators or whoever is making these decisions. Is like, you know, when I hear about, especially when I hear about like union negotiations and stuff like mm-hmm. that, it's like that that gets played upon like that gets like that gets taken advantage of the fact that like if you're not there somebody could be dying oh and like, yeah and i and like it really it really breaks my heart to mm. know that like that is that it, it just makes it so much harder to advocate for yourself and for the things that you should be afforded that are going to make your uh life and job more manageable and and therefore the care of the patients that that mm-hmm. are in that are in your care mm-hmm. um that that can be that that can be used against you that like when you are fighting and 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 advocating for more care and support for yourself and your colleagues that 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 can be used against you that that's that yeah. somebody else is somebody else is suffering when when you, if if you if you want if you want this yeah 
Well, I mean, you're, so you're kind of putting yeah. somebody in the ground. And like yeah. nurses being like caregivers and like, you know, caring people, like those are the ones to prey on to like <laughs> guilt yeah, trip yeah. about, yeah. <laughs> you know, their, their patients, like, yeah, quality of care, or like their coworkers quality of life, you know, compared to yours. It, like talking about all of this, um, you know, definitely highlights the, uh, the stresses and like the struggles that nurses face with like the, the weight that comes with the the job. And one of the things we were talking about earlier is like um, nurse pay um, and like, you know, even though it varies across the country, um, it seems like the amount of money that nurses make just like really does not make a lot of sense for the amount of work that goes into the job. Um, and like one of the things that really put that into perspective for me was, and I don't know, like maybe we, maybe we have to cut this out. Um, but it's worth having the conversation anyway, but like you had a conversation with, with a surgeon recently at work. And I like just that conversation, I was like, holy fuck, that's, that's really telling Mm -hmm. that there's like something broken in the system here. Yeah. Yeah. He he was just kind of like. He just kind of like walked up beside me and sat down. And I am always like, I kind of have just like a fun relationship with this doctor. He's just like, he's a good, good, funny guy anyway. But he's like, what do you guys make? You know, like 100K? And I was like, (laughs) 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 yeah, no, (laughs) not not even, not even close. How much are you making? Like three? Yeah. He's like, you must just throw around 100K and be like, what? Anyways, but he's, he was like, this is definitely a 100K job, what you guys are doing here. Like. Just like with the, yeah. the amount of like stress that we endure, like in the run of a day, like how many extra things fall on our plates, like the extra yeah. training that we do to be ICU nurses, like not yeah. saying like I think that any RN or LPN, any type of nurse should get paid more than what they do because the sheer volume of work that you're doing and and, and how important it is and like um and like we are like highly trained and educated, you know. It's so the like, most important. And and so like you know, like <laughs> it's it's, like, it's our health. It's like the most like, important. You know, if we don't feel like your work is valued or if it's it doesn't feel significant if you're not, you know, appreciated in, in that way. And and being able to like to I don't know, just not just I don't need to be rich. I just need to be like, you know, able to, to support myself. Pay pay the bills yeah. and, and not yeah. feel like I'm just working working to live all the time and feeling valued yeah. is a an integral part feeling t- feeling valued f- from a financial perspective is if is an integral part of how you then show up yeah and yeah. And, and, and how hard i work and, and how you can take care how hard you work how, how much you can take care of your patients how fulfilled that you feel in your work and there are plenty uh, there are plenty of jaded nurses out there i think we can both agree that totally. there, are, there are nurses yeah. that have been doing this yeah. for a f- fucking minute burnout that leads have, to that that have been yes, down that road for for decades mm-hmm. and and you and i'm sure that there's everybody most people out there especially people who have like extensive experience in the hospital system as a patient can point to instances where they've had incredible nursing staff that they felt very cared for mm-hmm. and also probably experiences where they felt like it was not so and those and those experiences impact their health outcomes yeah yeah and so yeah. like the, and pay is related to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, and it's yeah. Just at the end of the day, like you said, like it, it affects the patients at the end of the day yeah. and like yeah. the quality of care that they yeah. receive. And yeah. there's, there's also, I know like just through conversations that there's also like systems at play here that just like kind of compound on top of this feeling of just like not being seen, not being like appreciated. Um, and like, you know, one example being 
you know, say there's a, um, say there's a floor of nurses in a, in a hospital and they're on like, um, they're all, they're getting paid whatever that wage is, you know, let's like just throw it a number like $45, $50 an hour or whatever it is. Um, and there's like a shortage of nurses there. So they open up like a travel nursing contract, um, to fill spots in that particular floor where they're not taking nurses from Alberta or they're not taking nurses from Newfoundland. They're taking nurses from the same hospital that work a floor below that take that contract, come up on that floor and get paid $80 an hour next to the people that have been there for fucking yeah. <laughs> three, four, five years and are still getting paid next to nothing comparatively. Um, and, and like the morale of the people working on that floor like, how do you not just look at the system Feels and go, so what worthless. the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, why not pay us? Like, why not put, yeah. why not put the... Focus on retaining us retaining. at this job. Yeah. yeah. Make me feel valued enough to stay or I will go and travel nurse and that's kind of yeah. things that I've been doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like, those are the types of things that just make me so angry. Like, when yeah. I hear about the the state of, of like the workplace for a lot of, a lot of nurses. Like it's just, it just seems like such a slap in the face. Yeah. It is, yeah, is it there, totally is. is there a sense in the nursing community of like, I'm assuming that there is, there, there is of uh, like a feeling of hopelessness in terms of like, um, in terms of like looking at something like that and then recognizing that, that this is like one piece of like a million broken pieces in this gigantic, mm -hmm. in this gigantic system that is, that is so compartmentalized and separate and siloed from the million other pieces that like it, it that it feels like it could never be fixed. And I, I I'm like really leaning <laughs> yeah. into like the, I'm really <laughs> leaning into the pessimistic. <laughs> I'm like, really, it's, it's hard not to, it's hard not yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's why a lot of nurses are leaving the profession because they're just kind of like, is oh it God. worth it to stick around and mm. go through this for years and years and years for how long it's going to take to really turn things Parts around? Yeah. yeah, I know the amount of nurses that I know personally that have left the profession totally after like being a new nurse and being in the profession for a couple of years yeah. and going absolutely fucking not. Yeah. Like mm. I am not doing this for the rest of my life. And then thinking about where I was in April and wanting to like waitress or like yeah. literally do anything but nursing. Like I was in it. I was looking at like other education and other professions and I was ready to quit. Yeah. And thinking about that, it's like, I love my job and I'm good at my job. And, you know, I don't do it for the money because you don't make enough of it, like mm -hmm. to deal with what you deal with. Right. So to think that a nurse like that, that's still so <laughs> in it and so in love with it and you know wants to make a difference was about to leave is just the saddest thing ever mm. like, think about how many people are feeling that way and how many nurses i know personally that are either on stress leave or have you know left inpatient nursing specifically so like in the hospital so i left inpatients and i do outpatient nursing now so i don't ever want to look at an icu again yeah Maybe that'll change but like my trauma response to the everything that I went through was like I can't do this again mm. so what can I do in nursing where I'm still making a difference but I'm I'm t protecting myself mm -hmm. yeah and and um, like one thing I'm kind of curious about is like uh you know the difference between like inpatient outpatient this conversation right here I know there's a ton of nurses that listen to the podcast um and so like I'm wondering 
how this conversation will resonate with uh, the nurses that listen. You know, like, is there going to be a swath of them that go, I don't, I don't see that. I don't feel that. Like, I feel appreciated. I don't feel like the system's that broken. Um, and then, you know, are there, is there going to be a, a group of them that are like, amen, like fucking preach, preach. Like, <laughs> we want to hear more of this. Um, so do you think that, th that it is like, is this specific to a, a, a certain um, sort of pocket of nursing? Um, you know, to your example of like inpatient care versus outpatient care, like is the outpatient side of things for you, like a world of difference? Um, or do you still feel that like in the grand scheme of things, it, there's, mm. there's not enough, there's not enough supports. There's not enough appreciation. There's not enough like acknowledgement, uh, for the, the type of work that you are putting yourself through day in, day out. Yeah. I think grand scheme of things, like the healthcare system is broken. Yeah. Um, but have I noticed a massive difference in patient to outpatient? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like being in the ICU and being on the front lines and dealing with what we do deal with as inpatient nurses and going to the outpatient. So I still work in cancer care. So mm -hmm. I still deal with a lot of emotional, you know, situations with patients who have cancer. And I'm running like clinics with physicians. So I'm Monday to Friday. Mm. Like I don't work the night shifts and I'm not, you know, working weekends and holidays. So, you know, when we were, when I was doing that, I was working every Christmas and New Year's because you don't have seniority. So you're not getting that time off. Mm. And so that's been a huge change for me because I feel like outpatient life is a little bit, not that it's less stressful and not that they deserve to be paid any less the job is just very different. Yeah. yeah. So do I feel more supported in my outpatient life? Yes. 100%. Yeah. Like yeah. I've been checked in on, I've had conversations with like management and educators and I feel very supported where I worked in the ICU for a year and a half as a brand new critical care nurse and not a single person that was upper level to nursing staff asked me how I was coping. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Until I went on stress leave and they were like, oh, like, can we ask why? Right. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Why do you think? Yeah. yeah. Like, what do you mean why? Like, yeah. <laughs> look yeah. at what we're doing here and mm -hmm. like how you've had nine nurses go on stress leave in the past month. Mm -hmm. You know why? Yeah. So mm. it was just, yeah, it's tough. It's it's funny that it's funny. Uh, we we just recorded an episode earlier today and the the guy that we recorded with, Dylan, he was talking about an experience uh, with his uh, oh, ankylosing yeah. ankylosing spondylosis spondylosis yeah. ankylosing spondylitis. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, um, ankylosing spondylitis. And yeah. he and he was talking about an experience with a, uh, I can't remember if it was a walking clinic or if it, it was, was a rheumatologist or walking clinic. Yeah, and and they basically were like, um, I think it was a rheumatologist. I think it was further down the line. Like it was, and and, and he was, he he basically was like. Um, I've, I got this, I've got this going on and I, I know I have this, I know I have this condition. My grandfather had it. My father had it. I'm showing symptoms of it now. Like I want to be, I want to, I want to man, start managing it. Cause I can tell. And, and they were basically like, well, like your chest, your chest hasn't fused yet. And you're not, mm. and you're not like your, your, you know, your lung function hasn't deteriorated aggressively. So like, we'll just leave it. Like why, why do just anything let it get about worse? It? 
Yeah. And it was basically like, and, it, and I was like, whoa, that is basically the healthcare system, like the yeah. flaw of the, the biggest flaw of the healthcare yeah. system in general of going, mm-hmm. let's like, let's treat it once it's horrific. Right. Mm-hmm. Instead of no going, treatment. instead of going, hey, there's something here. It's, it's really just simmering right now. We could manage it because yeah. we know what's happening and we could manage it effectively to try and, to try and avoid the catastrophic situation that you might find yourself in down the line. Yeah. Um, and, but instead it's like, let's wait till let's, let's wait yeah. until this is affecting your life on such a level that you can't do anything anymore mm. you or you to need to go on stress leave. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> no focus on that, like primary healthcare yeah. system. Like yeah. they, the in school, it was always like the triangle, like primaries at the top and then secondary yeah. and then tertiary, but it should, should be like flipped over. So it's like primaries are the biggest and then secondary tertiary. Mm. And yeah. so it's, it's such a, uh, and again, like it's such a massive machine, such a it's it's so complicated. It's so mm-hmm. complicated that like I, I I I find myself when I start thinking about it, when I think about it in the context of like all the people that we've talked with, I'm like, ma'am, where does this where does this begin? Like mm-hmm. I don't know where this starts. Like I don't know where the conversation starts for where for you for you guys getting care before mm-hmm. like yeah. and then because that's a it's a cultural yeah and there's preventative thing. ways to you know like to avoid nursing burnout so like what she was saying too is like the eight hour shifts versus 12s like Huge you have a bigger like a much better quality of life doing that yes. so like yeah. and you can choose some days off which is yeah. huge which whereas is like in the hospital a lot of times you have no say in like your time off oh. ability and mm. so like that makes you feel unvalued but if you can at least say like i want to have a vacation day next week like Mm. and that gets approved like it feels so nice and you feel like you're like oh okay like i deserve a little break or something like it has like such a positive Mm. outcome impact on you yeah i mean i don't know if this is really like worth diving into or like what what might come from this sort of line of of conversation but like what is like what is the role of the union like like is it I, i always i always figured like the union was there to like to, to support and uplift and ensure that like you're not getting fucked over in these types of ways. I, I speak to this from the perspective of being a part of uh, the actors union in Canada. So, you know, the film actors union, when I get work, they're ensuring that I get paid fucking like enough. And they're ensuring that I don't, um, I'm not being requested to work a certain amount of hours over the allotted time that, I'm supposed to work unless I'm unless I am getting paid the amount that I need to get paid and and so like they're out for my best interest. Mm-hmm. What's the nurses union's deal? Like is there like all this stuff to me it seems like there's there's got to be some regulating body that can kind of step in and say like hey, we're not happy. This isn't working, so like we need to see some changes. Again, I like it, the system's so big, and I don't know enough about unions. I m- most certainly don't know anything about nursing unions. But like, is there is there a role that they play that that I mean, we could see them kind of step in and 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 advocate for the changes that it seems that most nurses in Canada are kind of like fucking screaming for at the top of their lungs. Yeah, that's tough. I've. I've dealt with the union a couple of times just with like, you know, hey, I 
haven't had a vacation day in a year and a half. Like this keeps getting denied. I'm allotted a certain amount of vacation. So like you can kind of go to the union with little things like that. Like if they are, if your manager isn't giving you time off and you're allotted a certain amount of time, time off, you can submit like a report to the union and say, Hey, this is happening. And they'll investigate that for you. Um, but the union does a lot on like the top end where they're working mm. with like, this is what the government wants and this is what they're trying to do. And this is what the nurses want. And so mm. they're fighting for us there mm -hmm. but on that, like personal level. Like I've never met with a union rep to like sit down and be like, Hey, this is, these are the issues that I have with the healthcare system. Like, I don't mm. know if that's something that happens. Um, I know I'm part of the union, obviously, like I know they're there and I'm sure that if I really needed anything, I could contact my union rep and, but they also deal with so many nurses, like the yeah. amount of nurses that are in Edmonton and think about like how many union reps they have. Mm -hmm. They were during the pandemic, they were backed up. Like no one could get a union rep to come and <laughs> speak with them just because they had lists and lists of people who were like, you know, I haven't had a day off in this many weeks, mm. months, and mm. my manager is booking me for mandated overtime. And I've done this many hours of mandated overtime and I can't physically work anymore. Like mm. I feel like they were overrun um, during the pandemic and it hasn't really gotten better since then. Mm. So I don't know if they have like a big say in yeah, I feel like they can only go as far as like the government is willing yeah, to fund. Right. I think it always just comes down to money. And like oh. same with me, like I've only ever dealt with a union for for them to like stick up with me, stick up for me to have like a day off or something. Yeah, Be exactly. like this got yes. And like you talk to them and they they're like they're pretty good to deal with and they yeah. help you out in that sense. But mm -hmm. but yeah, as far as like changes like system wide changes, I think there's just so much. If you guys were to kind of think about um, maybe like one thing that you would love to see change from like the top down, um, you know, we also have a lot of like a lot of polit politicians that listen to this show. So like, let's just say that they're listening right now. What's one thing that you would say that you would love to see kind of change in the next five years that you think would be the most like valuable for nurses today definitely like yeah yeah like focus on retaining the nurses give them some kind of incentive to stay mm. in the profession or in, on their floors or whether that be like you know a bonus <laughs> or an a wage increase um more supports like what we were talking about with all the like the trauma that we kind of feel mm -hmm. like uh, I would say like if they're if in a perfect world I know there's like always like um mental health like everything you know it's all not very accessible in general but yeah. if there is like a team that that sort of looked after healthcare workers like that yeah. would be a cool a cool mm -hmm. thing to see like if there is like a hospital like psychiatrist psychologist mm -hmm. like social worker whoever who actually like is focused on the staff mm -hmm. you know I mean, that that's the thing that's astounding to me mm -hmm. that that doesn't exist okay. like that that yeah. is just so fucking wild and like we have access like we have the ability to do employee assistant program or whatever but it's just it's also not that accessible mm -hmm. you know people don't like it'd be nice to do in-person therapy rather than a lot of people don't really connect with it, doing it on a zoom meeting or on the yeah. phone like yeah. So, yeah, just like better. Yeah. yeah, if you're going through those traumatic experiences and they're happening in the moment, why is there no one there? Like, we're literally in a hospital. 
Yeah. That can like pull you aside and be like, Hey, this just happened. Like, let's talk about it. Yeah. Like, I remember situations during the pandemic where it, something would happen and I would need to like walk away after and have, you know, that breakdown, feel it, mm-hmm. bottle it back up and like go back to work. Yeah. Because that's the expectation. But why, sh- why should that be the expectation? Mm-hmm. Why is there not somebody there to be like, okay, you know, you just had a very traumatic experience. Like, let's sit down, let's talk about it. Yeah. Especially when it comes to like, I don't know about you, but like it, we were so abused during the pandemic, especially like physically mm. abused by patients and also like verbally abused. Yeah. And that stuff takes a huge toll on your mental health. Yeah. And their response to that was like, you can come to the charge office and get this little white, like, you know how you get like a falls button if you fall. Oh, yeah. Mm. You get this little white button to push if you're being assaulted by a patient. Yeah. Mm. And then and the security is supposed to come running and... They can't yeah, actually touch after, the patient. Yeah. Then after the fact, what what happens then? Yeah. yeah. Go right. back to work. Yeah. So like that would be. Yeah. And between that and family members, because like yes. there is a lot of elevated emotions with family members Oof. coming into the yeah. ICU and stuff, and like totally. they were like going after the staff and mm-hmm. any yeah. of the frontline workers. Like my my like unit clerk, like she was like the main face of allowing people in and out of the ICU, mm-hmm. and like she got like. She got verbally assaulted like every day. Oh, yeah. mm. it, 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 it seems to me that there needs to be like a like a general a general shifting of understanding that nurses are going through stuff on a daily basis that could land them in the hospital in which yeah. they are serving. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And going um, and like you said, like you're in the hot, like you're that, you're that, you're, the, you're at, at the you're, place. You're at the place. Yeah. Like if you won the lottery at the bank, someone would be like, do you want to open an account convenient. for that? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. you're, you're there, you know, that like, yeah. and I know, and I know that it's a fucking it is complicated. It is funny though, how overlooked equation, it is. But, like, yeah, totally. So it's yeah. comical in a way. Like it's just yeah. so obvious. Like, yeah. 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 And like, I've been, I know that it can happen because again, like I worked on hematology. So we had a psych, a psychiatrist there who was amazing. And she worked with mm. the patients. We would get really close with them because they were there for months at a time. And so we would develop personal relationships with these patients. When they passed away, it was really hard. Yeah. And she would host these little like group therapy sessions where we would take 30 minutes of our 12 hour shift. And, you know, they would leave one nurse on the floor to like man the call bells we would all sit and like debrief about what just happened. Yeah, right. That's great. So healthy. <laughs> so healthy. Mm. We would light a candle for the patient and like Aww. say something that, or like a memory of them, like anything to just again, be like, okay, this was a person and they just died. And we're allowed to have emotions about that. I'm not just going to be like, Oh, okay, let's put them in a body bag and on to the next one. Right. Like allowing that time and space mm-hmm. for nurses to just feel and talk. Yeah. So that we don't bottle it up. And then again, like I ended up on leave for months and had to revisit all of that in therapy mm. and therapy is amazing. And I think everybody should have a therapist, but going to therapy was life-changing for me. Yeah. If I wouldn't have gone to therapy, I would be working at Starbucks. I would be like yeah. getting Christmas drinks ready for everybody right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, in, and that's incredible that that, that that person was doing that. And, yes. and if, and I like what needs to, what sounds like needs to happen is it needs to shift from 
hoping that possibly there's somebody that will take some extra time that they're not being paid for, that they're not being required to do just out of the goodness of their hearts because they recognize that it's helpful, that they've got the skills to, to facilitate this and that they do instead of just, instead of going, Oh sweet, that happened, that that's something that is going, Oh wow, this person did that. That was really helpful. It had, it had this downstream impact. And now let's think about how we could implement that, um, implement that and make that a part of the protocol. Yes. Totally. This, uh, I'm so glad that we, we had time to like sit down and kind of dive into, uh, life as a nurse. You know, we, we've spoken to nurses in the past, but like never from this vantage point, um, uh, you know, talking about like really the things that I think a lot of people don't really think about and don't really put a lot of thought into when it comes to just like how, how demanding this job can be, um, especially after COVID, right? Like I remember, I remember like early days of COVID, there was like the big sort of rah, rah, let's like bang our fucking pots and pans for the frontline workers. Um, and okay, great. But really it, it very quickly sort of Turned dissipated and, and literally yeah. turn literally turn the other way around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then it was like right. on my way to work and like we were told in Edmonton, like don't wear your scrubs outside the hospital. Yeah. yeah. The hospital I was working at because like people were fucking yelling at us. And I'm like, yeah. I don't don't get vaccinated. I don't care. Like yeah. I'm not telling you to do anything. Like that yeah. was huge in Alberta. I'm just trying to keep somebody alive. Yeah, like yeah. I'm just trying to do my job. We're like they were like beating people's cars and yeah. chasing after nurses. And like one of the nurses I know got assaulted on the LRT mm. while he was wearing his scrubs, like on the way into work because yeah. he was wearing a mask and they yeah. were making fun of him for wearing a mask. And it's just like the Jesus irony Christ. there, the irony there is that those fuckheads are the ones that are going to end up in the ICU and you're the one that's going to have to take exactly. care of their dumb fucking asses. And so, that's how it always is. Yeah. Too. That's how it up every single time. It's never. Yeah. So I'm glad we had this conversation. I'm glad we're like, we're highlighting the importance of your jobs, highlighting the, the struggle that you guys are currently going through and I hope to have like more of these conversations as as the year goes on um because uh again like it, be, being some someone who is so close to a nurse and seeing every day like how tough this job can be mm-hmm. it really puts it into perspective for me who you know is not in the healthcare system and seeing it firsthand is is something that is like really astounding and so um, I want to say thank you to both of you for taking time to sit down and chat with us today so that we could get a little bit more perspective on something that I think is like highly important. And I hope that if you're a nurse listening to this right now, I hope you appreciated this conversation and, and like, uh, no matter who you are, spread this conversation around. I think this is like an important topic that we need to address, uh, a little bit more openly, um, as the years go by. So thank you, Chelsea. Can for... I ask her one more question? Yes, please. Oh my God. Yeah. When you were off on your yeah. stress leave, were you well supported? Like, did they mm. kind of guide you in your healing or were you kind of having to yeah, navigate no. that alone? No, I did that alone. Yeah. So See, there that you go. Be... That too. There's no follow-up even when you're yeah, off. There's no follow-up. It was kind of like, you know, four months later, I called them and said, Hey, I'm done. I'm resigning. And they were like, okay Shoot. yeah <laughs> perfect and I like I got a new job by myself I did okay. the therapy by myself I like I uh, put in work 
yeah. to get myself back into and the you're, program. And you're still like, yeah, like, and you're I'm still, still a union member. Like you're still an, an RN with a license and that, yeah. That, so that's another aspect of it that's kind of mm. falling yeah. off. Once you're off work, it's kind of like end. they just let you yeah. figure it out. I just yeah. let you figure it out. And, and that process alone was so tough because like I went without income for wow, yeah. four months. Like yeah. I had no income. Yeah. I was fighting to get coverage or get paid from WCB. So I had, I went through like psych evaluations where I had to like talk about my trauma and like talk about mm. what I went through because it's not a physical injury. It's not something that they can mm. measure and be like, Hey, you broke your wrist and you can go back to work in six weeks. It was like, Hey, you have like post-traumatic, well, they called it adjustment disorder basically. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was on like medication, which I'd never had to take before and yeah. you know, in therapy and, and I feel great now, but I put in that work. Yeah. That wasn't mm -hmm. them supporting me. That was me recognizing that I needed help mm -hmm. and doing it myself. So I just feel bad for anybody who doesn't have, the ability to recognize that they're not okay yeah. or like yeah. the ability to ask for that help. Yeah. Right. And not, not, to, not, not to open up a, a can of worms as we, as, as we wind down here, but um, just to, to speak to something that you've said a couple of times, Kira, which is the retention thing. It is so surprising that, that there is no follow-up. There is no outreach mm. in, uh, in, in order to help retention of nurses seeing as there is such a problem with staffing yeah yeah, which are, yeah. where where it, where where short staffed um uh, units are just it's the norm yeah and that it's yeah. it seems like there's not um it's like losing another person is not really that that yeah. much of an a, of a problem that's what makes you feel so disposable oh, as yeah. a nurse mm. and like you know you're just a number you know even though we're so highly trained you know like we aren't just Re replaceable you know yeah so passionate yeah. like yeah. I give a shit so mm -hmm. it was like for for me to That's sad yeah work my butt off and put everything I had into being the best critical care nurse I could especially during a time where critical care nurses were yeah. needed yeah like yeah. more than ever too many ICU patients and not enough nurses and like I showed up and I mm -hmm. did my job and I did it well and there's and nothing to just kind of be like brushed aside and and that was it like yeah I, like it didn't matter no, like, there was no thank you there was, was no, no like, loss to them they just hired somebody else like somebody the else next day <laughs> i moved on yeah so, yeah unfortunate but. yeah it is yeah well, again, thanks, guys. This has been a really eye-opening conversation. I'm really, really thankful for both of you for, uh, for agreeing to sit down and chat. Thank you so much. That is it for this week's edition of Routine Checkup. Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. It means the world to us. And if you'd like to continue listening to the podcast, you can do that right here on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And of course, if you want to support the podcast further, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or you can simply rate the podcast on your Spotify mobile app. And uh, even better than that, why don't you tell someone that you know, tell someone that you love, tell someone that you don't know, that you listen to Sick Boy Podcast and recommend it to them because we always love those extra ears. The podcast is produced and hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Brian Stever, and Taylor McGilvery. The podcast is managed by Jeffrey Lonis at Talent Bureau. 
The theme music for today's episode comes from Rich O'Coin. Thanks again, folks. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back next week. That's it for now. My name is Jeremy, and this is Sipboard. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.